From the Virginia Policy Review, this is Academical. Every episode, we peek under the hood to explore how the machine of public policy works. We ask, how do we define the problem? How do we measure success? Who decides the solution? What are the unintended consequences? We break through the noise of daily news to understand what's really going on. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Academical. My name is Aiden Dowd, and I am a first-year MPP student. We have a really interesting conversation for you today with Ellie Kaufman. Ellie Kaufman is a producer in CNN's Washington, D.C. Bureau, covering the Defense Department and the U.S. military as a part of CNN's national security team. Before joining the national security team, she covered all aspects of Washington politics, including Capitol Hill, federal agencies, and national elections. During her time in Washington, Ellie has covered the 2020 presidential election, the first impeachment of former President Donald Trump on Capitol Hill, and the longest federal government shutdown in American history in 2019, among other stories as well. Ellie has worked at CNN since 2016, and her previous work has been published in the Huffington Post, Vox, Quartz, Fast Company, and Mike. All right, welcome Ellie to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about your background, and why did you decide to go into journalism? Yeah, sure. So after college, uh, you know, we're all a little lost after college. So my first job after college, I actually stayed. I went to Lima Mary. First year out, I, I worked at this research think tank at the university, which was like kind of doing international development work. Um because I had a little bit of like a panic attack at the end of school and was like, I've only ever pursued journalism. Like, what if I want to do something else? So I did that. And really the whole time I was just reading the news and feeling like, why am I not trying to be a journalist? Like I've always wanted to be. So I applied to some jobs in New York and DC. And the first job I got was like a post-grad internship at the Huffington Post in New York. So that's what I moved to New York City for. Uh, And I was doing branded content. Branded content is sort of like uh, when an advertiser pays a publication to do advertorials or like they'll say, we want five articles about like women in tech. And then all the articles have Microsoft on the top, stuff like that. It was great first job, like very fun first job in New York. But um, I wanted to be writing. So I looked for some other jobs. I ended up working at a startup called Mike.com. Uh, which doesn't really exist anymore. And I did branded content for them. I was like, they're only branded content staff writer. So I was at least writing, but I wasn't doing editorial then. And I did that for a couple of years, really interesting experience. And then I still really wanted to be doing editorial. So I did another job search. And at the time it was really like when all these online news websites were still pretty new, like Bustle and Refinery29 and Vox was new and BuzzFeed and Huffington Post were like the big online places. So most of the jobs I was applying for were like online writing jobs where you'd really just be aggregating stories every day. And aggregating is like when you're taking other people's reporting and linking to it, but you're not really doing your own reporting. Um, And that wasn't really that appealing to me. So I had a really good conversation with a mentor at Mike and she recommended that I look for like a news assistant or production assistant, research assistant, entry-level jobs at a big place. Cause she was like, you know, reporting is really a learned skill. You got to go learn it from people who know how to do it to actually make it. And that was great advice. I didn't even know anything about those kind of jobs. So I applied to be a news assistant at CNN. I applied to other places too, but CNN was the one I got an interview at. 
um, in their New York bureau. And I went in and I remember feeling like this is the kind of stuff I want to be doing. Like when I went to do the interview, um, and I didn't get the job. It was for a full-time news assistant job. I didn't get it, but I was again, like, I was about to say annoying, but it's not annoying. I was persistent. I emailed them every two weeks checking in and eventually like two months after I didn't get the job, I knew I didn't get it, but they finally emailed and were like, sorry, we went with someone else. Thank you for interviewing. And I just responded and was like, oh, if you ever have anything else, please let me know. And then about a month later, I was home from work one day in the middle of the week. Um, and I got a call from my future boss and he was like, you know, we don't have a full-time job. I remember you from the interview. We're looking for freelancers. This was the summer of 2016. So the election was going on. Pulse nightclub shooting had just happened. And he was like, we just have a lot going on. I know we need more people. Would you be, would you be willing to freelance? Um, and he only, he could, was like, I can only guarantee you three days a week work. And the pay was bad. It was not as good as what I was making at Mike.com. And, um, I was like, this is my shot. Like I got to make it work. So I left the Mike.com job, took the CNN job, but I was going to freelance other places too. Cause I just didn't know if it was going to be 40 hours a week, but long story short, it ended up being much more than 40 hours a week. Um, I ended up getting tons of hours. It was a crazy summer. And then right after the election, they hired me full time and I've been at CNN ever since. Um, so I did like two years as a news assistant in New York. And then when Trump was elected, everything was obviously going crazy in DC. And I just really wanted to be a part of that because I'm from here. I grew up in like Northern Virginia suburbs and I just felt like that news drive of like, I want to be there when this is happening. So I applied to some jobs in DC and I ended up getting a job as an associate producer covering federal agencies. And this was when Trump was putting in all those cabinet secretaries that were just like really out there. And uh, so I moved down here for that. And then once I got here, I kind of just ended up doing a lot of different things. I spent a year on Capitol Hill. I covered the first impeachment before the pandemic started. When the pandemic happened, I ended up helping out with a lot of pandemic coverage. And then I covered the 2020 election when all the voting rights rules were changing in every state because people were voting by mail and all that stuff. So we, I was on this voting issues team and I covered the election from August through November. And then after the election, I moved over to the national security team. So now I've been on national security team for like almost a year. And I cover the Pentagon specifically. That's my focus uh, on the national security team. Would you be able to like walk me through a typical day? Like what did it look like when you were covering the election? Like what were you doing every day versus now when you're covering the national security team, especially during what's specifically like a pretty, pretty intense foreign policy, like crisis era? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So during the election, our days, you know, even though the beats are different, our days are structure a little similarly like you wake up check your email make sure nothing's happened overnight that you really need to know about um and then around nine we have a big editorial meeting with the whole company and that really is it's good to listen to like i'm not speaking on that call but it's good to listen to to know what the direction of the day is and what the bosses and executive producers think the big stories are of the day 
because uh, I work in the news gathering part of the company. So I'm the one, we're the people who get the reporting that goes on TV and online. So I write a lot for our website, um, but everything that we send out to the network can go on television or online. Um, so yeah, we do our 9 a.m. Then we have a smaller 10.30 meeting, which is just like our team. And that's more where you get assigned stories for the day or you say what you're already working on. So like by the time we get to the 10.30, I'm probably already working on something, but it's just where you check in and say, this is what I'm working on today. So when it was election stuff, it was really day of stories. Like we were doing a lot of stories on just how different states were changing their voting rights. Um, what the rules were going to be for each, each state, uh, what the candidates were saying about the mail-in versus in-person voting. And also that whole period of time, there were different rules in each state. So a lot of it was keeping track of who's voting when, because um, there was a lot of early voting. You know, a lot of states added early voting to make up for the whole pandemic, like people not wanting to all come on election day. So it was much more like day of story focused. Whereas like in the Pentagon beat, uh, my day is like a little more structured, but I'll say that with the caveat of like news, like your day can change any day because you just don't know what's going to happen. But like a normal-ish day at the Pentagon, uh, I wake up, check my email. We check this thing called Today in DOD, which says like what the main Pentagon events are for the day. So I check that and I see if our Pentagon press vote secretary is going to give a briefing today. If he's not, if there are any other major events I have to monitor, because, you know, we're covering a big organization. you got to monitor all the main people who speak on a daily basis. Um, so that gives me a sense of what I need to listen to for the day. Then we do our 1030 and the 1030, we get a better sense of like what our stories are for the day. But I mean, it, it totally depends. Like today I was going to go up to the Hill because trying to keep tabs on what the Hill is doing in response to the war in Ukraine. Uh, we have right now two, pretty much two briefings a day. So that takes up a lot of time because those are normally about an hour, but you spend time writing up what they said, sending that out to the network, updating any digital stories that you need to update from what they said. Um, and then you also have to keep on top of everything that's happening everywhere else. So you know what questions to ask is the thing. So we also just like get a lot of information and you need to know what other part people in the network. So I need to know like what international is putting out, like what's the latest the Ukraine Ministry of Defense is putting out? What is the UK Ministry of Defense saying? What are NATO leaders saying? Like today, the Secretary of Defense is going to Brussels for the NATO Defense Ministerial tomorrow. So today I know the Secretary is going to be on a plane all day. So I don't need to worry about him speaking at some point and making news. But tomorrow he will be at the NATO Defense Ministerial. So I need to make sure that I know when the events are so I can listen to him. And if he says anything important, we send it out to the network. So it's like stuff like that, if that's helpful. So you mentioned that you were like, today might've been a day where you had gone to Capitol Hill. So do you usually like, are you going to the Pentagon? Are you going to Capitol Hill? Are you going to these places? Or are you mostly like working from like home, working from the CNN Bureau? Like where, where are you physically? <laughs> I guess is the easiest way to ask it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like about the DC Bureau is we get to go to the places where we cover the stuff more in than New York. Like DC is a little more beat focused, at least in my experience, like other people's experience could be different, but 
DC is very beat focused. So you have reporters, if they cover the Hill, they're on the Hill almost every day. A lot of the time, if you cover the White House, you're going to the White House every day. Um, on the Pentagon beat, I don't go to the Pentagon every single day. I go kind of when they need me because we have two correspondents who are there. So they really hold down the fort. Um, and I go if they need help or if there's a big briefing or like an interview that we're taping, I'll go over there. Uh, but I go to the Hill a good amount now. Like I wasn't going for a while because of the pandemic. But now I've been going more because it's just, you know, there's a lot of national security news that comes from the hillside too. So it helps for me to be over there to hear those conversations. So I can go back and be like, all right, Pentagon correspondents, this is what they're saying up here. Kind of like marry the two because everything is connected is the thing about reporting in Washington, right? Like what the Hill says impacts the White House, what the White House says impacts the Hill. All of that impacts the Pentagon because the Pentagon's part of the administration. You know, the leaders of the Pentagon are part of the administration. Um, so it's all connected. So like the more you get your feet in a little bit of everything, the more you know. Uh, so the short answer is it depends on the day. Like yesterday I was in the bureau for most of the day. And then at the end of the day, I went to the Hill for like two hours because they were doing a late vote series. So I wanted to go ask some senators some questions. Um, and today I'll probably try to go to the hell again. But yeah, it just it just depends on the day. Yeah. Always keeping you on your toes, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Which I like because I don't get like it's not boring, you know? Yeah. Always something. So um, what level of access do you have to information as a producer, producer specifically covering the Pentagon? And what does the national security team get? What is how much is confidential? How much is public? Are there things you're told that you have to like keep to yourself? But then things like, you know, how do they how do they? relay that to you? Yeah. Uh, I just want to preface like anything I'm saying here is my experience. It could be different for other reporters. Classified information reporters are not privy to. Unclassified information, we will get to like stuff that our, the Pentagon spokesperson says in the briefing. As reporters, like more people have been doing this for a really long time, people who are really well sourced, they might be able to get that kind of information from sources, but really, really classified information. No one's telling that to a reporter because they would lose their job or their security clearance if it is ever found out that they would do that. Um, so really, you get unclassified stuff. And sometimes that's not a ton. Sometimes you have to really work at like, OK, this information is not going to come out into the public. Like, what part can we report on? Who can we talk to? What part of the story can we shine a light on, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know how helpful that is, but mostly we get like press releases uh, or we'll get press statements from Pentagon or different parts of the military. Uh, and the military, covering the military, one of the things I do really like about it is uh, there's a press person for everything. So even at the office of the Secretary of Defense, there's different press people per region of the world. So if you have a question about something that has to do with Africa Command, which is a part of the military that oversees the African continent, uh, you can go to them and say, hey, I'm, is, there's, I see this thing happen in Somalia. Do you have any information about that? And they're the expert on the region. And that's really helpful. Um, that's the first experience I've ever had with something like that uh, on a beat where it's more like region focused. And obviously, military is all over the world. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to cover. One of your favorite parts is how specific it can get within the military DOD focus. What are some other aspects of national security that are like 
more interesting to you or like that is more, I don't know, better for you as a reporter than perhaps some of the other beats you've covered? Why do you, what, what do you like to pay attention to and what's your favorite part? I mean, I think my, my real favorite part about being on the national security team is I always wanted to cover international news um, and, and, you know, domestic news. So important. I mean, we still do domestic news as well. Uh, domestic news is really important and it impacts our daily lives. I just personally was always very interested in international stuff. And so this is really the first time in my career where I feel like I've gotten to focus on not just what's happening in the U.S., but what's happening around the world. And obviously right now with Ukraine, we're focusing a lot on what's happening around the world. And so just kind of expanding my brain from just thinking about like, okay, this is happening in the U.S., this part is impacting this this is impacting, whatever, just thinking about like US specific to thinking about world. So like thinking about NATO and thinking about, oh, I saw that Macron had a conversation with Zelensky. And I also saw that this leader had a conversation with Zelensky. And just like putting all those pieces together from a world perspective instead of just the US perspective has been really interesting to me. And I think, you know, I think in general, people's appetite for international news is not always as high as their appetite for domestic news. And so I I do feel on the national security team that sometimes we get to amplify stories of things that are happening around the world that are important and that we want people to pay attention to. And so getting to do a little bit of that has been exciting. I mean, it's been really cool. And also just learning, you know, I don't come from a military background. I don't have um, anyone who's active duty or retired military in my family. So I was, I'm really learning all of this from scratch and just learning about really like where the military is in the world, what they're doing in the world is so interesting. I've just learned so many things I, I didn't know. And the military is really involved in a lot of things, lots of different missions, help helping people, um, just all kinds of stuff that I didn't know. So that that's interesting to just think about the world and that idea of like, oh, there's actually a military base here, here, and here in this region of the world. And I didn't even know, like, that's just interesting. So I was gonna say, not necessarily like in the frame of what's happening specifically in Ukraine, just like in general with national security, how do you view your role? Like, how do you balance being both an American who like has an interest in, you know, being secure <laughs> also with your role as a journalist and making sure that, you know, our elected leaders, our military leaders are being, you know, open and honest about everything that's going on abroad and um, in terms of the military? I don't think it's, it's not, it's not really like I changed my ethos on how to be a good journalist when I stepped into this role. I think that, I mean, I do this job because I think people have the right to know certain things. And I think it is our job as journalists to help people stay informed about the world and what's really going on and what leaders are really doing. One thing we've been thinking about 